hello everyone welcome to the new episode of everyday talkies now before you jump on to listening to this episode wait take a breath smile get your regular dose of life changing entropy here on everyday talkies Hello guys, welcome to the new episode of Everyday Talkies. We are back with another episode of Cunts, Germs and Steel. I think today is the 16th episode. So with that, let's welcome our co-host, Pushkar. Hello. Hello. Yes, we are here to discuss the evolution of human beings. And I think in the last couple of chapters, we, you know, winded that up with learning the different guns. We're still learning about guns, germs and steel government and all of that. And now we are jumping on to the more interesting portions. And today we'll be covering Yali's People, Chapter 15. and if you guys remember i know this gives us a very nice opportunity to recap basically okay i'll give you the i can give you the gist of the last 14 chapters we started with uh, yali who was a new guinean who asked the question why did civilizations uh, develop at different rates across different places uh, at different points of time and uh, to answer that question we first looked at certain natural exper- experiments in history which included south america and polynesia then we moved on to farming and how the development of farming basically gave rise to guns germs and steel like without food production without changing from hunter gather the like hunter gather lifestyle to a, 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 an agricultural lifestyle the whole uh, civilization could not have developed you know guns germs and steel could not have developed and then we learned more about why fruit production happened the way it did in different parts of the world and in some part of the world food production never arose this included geographical factors uh, the axis of the earth uh, domesticatable plants animals all that stuff and then we moved on to complex societies and how these societies propped up we lo- we looked at languages how they developed we looked at social hierarchies how they developed we looked at the, all these factors that led to the rise of different civilizations and how they came into contact with each, each other we learned about diseases and how they were created and how they spread and how they uh, were so influential in the history of our world and after all that uh, setup 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 now we are here to learn about different kinds of people around the world and their histories starting with yali's people who are the new guineans and also to an extent the australians now uh, with all of that once we come to yali's people okay mr the starting of the chapter as usual the author has a style right he mentions his own story and then he spawns out two different questions and trying to answer them and all of that so you know what was that fun story that he was trying to tell us in the beginning of the chapter he talks about the time where when he and his wife mari were vacationing in australia in the uh, aboriginal uh, region in the desert basically and they wanted to see aboriginal rock paintings that were uh, made near the town of menindee and uh, they thought that uh, since they have you know they are like uh, explorers and travelers and they know uh, how to do this and that they were like we can do the hike that is uh, up to the rock paintings and back uh, and we'll carry plenty of water and this and that but by the time they set off and by the time they reached the rock paintings they had completely uh, finished their water and they had no interest in the rock paintings anymore because they were dying of uh, heat and thirst and so somehow they managed to uh, you know scramble their way back their throats were completely de- uh, swollen because of dehydration and uh, it, it like they had had serious uh, heat strokes and all that and what it basically um 
taught Jared Diamond where he says that you know sitting there exhausted both physically and emotionally i reflected that the aborigines who had made those paintings had somehow spent their entire lives in that desert without air conditioned retreats managing to find food as well as water so the point that he's trying to make with this uh, story is that what when when people consider civilization they we have talked about this before that they have a very eurocentric idea of what civilized people are because you have this idea of civilized people where these clothes civilized people act like this they eat this food uh, and they engage in these activities but when it comes down to it when it comes down to basic survival if you go into the if you put an uh, you, if we put an uh, american or a european man in the in the uh, australian desert he cannot survive as well as the aborigines did even with all his knowledge or even with all his say uh, civilized manners uh, he cannot uh, do the basics you know to find food find water and uh, kind of not just survive but thrive in in the australian desert and there is a companion piece to this story that um, he talks about before uh, about 100 years before this story happened with him and his wife there were two policemen called uh, robert burke and and th- there was a policeman called robert burke and an astronomer called william willis who had led the first exp- european expedition to cross australia from south to north which is about as stupid as it gets and uh, they set out with uh, packing food and um, water and all this and in the desert they got lost but every now and then they would find aboriginal people who would uh, kind of feed them and bring them back to health and help them and uh, you know um, uneducated people being uneducated people uh, robert burke shot a pistol at one of the aborigines and they fled and after that uh, as it happened uh, those two people did not last very long in the desert and they died but the, that's a classic case of all the europeans who have ever visited any foreign land even when it comes to their own survival but you know i feel for um, australians because as we get to know in, uh, later in the chapter how basically all the austropians as he mentions right and um, europeans who came to conquer uh, that area basically now we know that it you know um occupies most of australia and there are very 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 few aboriginals left aborigines left but yeah we'll come to that slowly in strategy but I, i you know as you were saying earlier that um how we have that uh, mindset that you know what is the correct society what is the right level of advancement and he mentions a quote by i think one of the when a french explorer was it's describing native australians he mentioned they are the most miserable people of the world and the human beings who approach close closest to brute beasts so the narrow mindset i think never went away what is important to note here is that it's something that humans uh, need to recognize that if you if you're a european coming to australia and the problem is that you just assume that these people did not develop civilization because they do not have the intellectual mindset to do so but the the larger point that jared diamond is trying to make is it's not necessarily that it's it's a host of other factors you know australia is such a harsh land that um, there are so many geographical climatic and uh, all these factors that are strikes against the growth of civilization the hamper the growth of civilization uh, in certain places in australia true true and you know we'll come to most of that i think in the very beginning he mentions that how you know we were discussing in the i think first or second episode we were discussing how uh, humans migrated from around the world right we had seven you know around 7 million years ago we had the original humans not original humans but the most proto humans and then modern humans came around a million years ago in the mediterranean region and how we migrated towards that and then you know 
ask the question that we mentioned that 40000 years ago the humans migrated to australia new guinea and all these islands uh, whereas uh, you see the migration of let's say humans were la- later in the western asian areas or even in north america south america for that matter right it happened around le- uh, 12 13000 years ago so why is it that australia is like the most um, underdeveloped f- from today's standards uh, country not just like uh, underdeveloped but he makes it a point to say that uh, once the once humanity was spread out over the uh, over the world humans like all over the world did learn to use stone tools and did learn to use these basic things uh, you know handcrafted stone tools and uh, you know all these uh, watercrafts and uh, they also had like paintings on rock surfaces that we mentioned so there was uh, there was the beginnings of civilization in australia it's just that at a point they kind of evolved towards a point point and at that point they stopped and from there there was just like a stagnation that uh, persisted until the europeans came so it's not that uh, civilization did not uh, evolve there at all it's just that it evolved to a point and then stopped so what uh, jared diamond is going trying to uh, find out the answers to is that why it only like evolved to a certain extent and not further because you know uh, new guinea had developed like food production new guinea was one of the f- uh, first places with um, among the like including the fertile crescent uh, the south americans and the chinese to basically create uh, have food production uh, develop food production independently and so he asked that if they were one of the first people to develop food production why did they still uh, live a very uh, stone age type of life even like 9000 years later the biggest reason i think which was shocking like you know i read the entire chapter about this was shocking to me in multiple levels and it's very common right we all, all the landmasses uh, was part of pangea right and then we separated and all of that and this happened even back then you know around 13000 years ago australia as a landmass which he mentioned as greater australia where new guinea and you know the smaller islands were all part of one landmass and was a lot closer to you know indonesia and those areas and that is why it was easier for the you know early travelers or all the early humans to migrate from asia to australia what is basically now the torres strait was not actually water but land or like after the last ice age they became so isolated australia i think uh, you know there's this line which he mentions uh, in terms of describing how australia is so he mentions that australia and any of those other land masses is by far the driest smallest flattest most infertile climatically most unpredictable and biologically most unpoverished continent like there's so many adjectives here which i'm sure we're going to explore what it comes down to is once the uh, water level rose new guinea basically became its own island and australia became its own island and uh, while new guinea developed uh, at a more uh, developed a little bit more australia did not so Aust- new guinea why had like a certain tell us that why did new guinea had that added advantage over australia yeah so there is a bunch of reasons first we have to distinguish the fact that uh, australians while the aboriginal australians they were uh, they were using stone tools they were having like paintings and culture and all this stuff but they were still a nomadic people they were still living off of the land they were still uh, hunter gatherers while new guineans had developed they had developed stone tools and they had also developed food production to a limited degree so what happened here is that new guinea's climate it's such a weird place because um, i had read about this before reading this chapter it's like new guinea is uh, first of all it's a small island but it's a very uh, dense 
densely forested yeah it has diverse uh, environment diverse land it has diverse wildlife and uh, also to an extent you know it has more pliable weather than the australian uh, harshness you know basically what happened was new guinea first of all had domesticated animals not big animals like uh, horses or cows or stuff but they had like chicken and they had pig and uh, i think those are the only two that they had which were for which were good animals for food production but not helpful in lugging around cargo secondly they had uh, new guinea has because it's an island because it became an island it had limited space for population growth so you could not uh, essentially uh, create a kingdom and then start expanding it because eventually you just hit water uh, so they had to they kind of uh, stayed in little uh, sort of organized places and the problem was new guinea's uh, geography is so harsh so uh, unconnected in a way that uh, people living like a bunch of like 100 people living in a, a certain part of uh, new guinea and another uh, 100 people living like maybe 5 kilometers away or 10 kilometers away would have completely different cultures because they had never made contact before because there was no way to kind of for them to uh, interact with each other with each other trade with each other or Uh, have any sort of uh, relationship with each other so that's why also like new guinea has developed such a diverse uh, cultural uh, you know diaspora where, where you have people uh, where you have like about more than a thousand languages in an area which is uh, so small like i don't know how ex- small ex- exactly it is it's like but texas. it's quite small yeah it's like texas yeah it's a, it's about yeah it's about the size of texas and you have only about like uh, a million people there who uh, who have like 1000 languages among them and none of them you know very few of them have any relations to each other and like some of the languages have only like maybe 100 or 200 speakers uh, total true and let's explore the, you know different aspects you know as you mentioned they got the diaspora of environments you know there was i think the environment there favored people who live, who were living in highlands so i think above 4000 meters or something on those areas so people living in those highlands because they had uh, you know a better temperature they they settled down their food production and uh, they formed small villages uh, he he mentions that you know the europeans when they were arriving to uh, new guinea they could uh, see it as holland right all uh, cutted down grass uh, lands over and over again they were you know very in tune with fi- uh, farming and all of that again they were not as advanced as the modern day europeans or you know back then europeans they did not have you know um, iron they did not encounter iron or they did not um, evolve above from stone age they were still you know using bows and arrows and all of that but still they had developed food production they had they were living in villages as we discussed the last chapter that evolved beyond that band comparison and it was all because they were living in highlands whereas the rolland people because of the dryness because of the lack of availability of crops and so they lived off basically eating aquatic animals and we we also i think read in one of the chapters right even though people living in highland they were people of food production there there was still that lack of protein and that is why you know they had developed uh, these activities of cannibalism and things like that so they had a carbohydrate rich diet which uh, promoted kind of size growth but not exactly energy because they did not get enough protein so that kind of um, limited their ability or rather incentive to do more work than is necessary so even if you had like food production uh, some people were doing food production the other people uh, could do like maybe more complicated tasks so 
there wasn't enough energy with them there wasn't enough protein in their diet to allow them to uh, undertake such tasks given like added with the whole thing that they did not have domesticated animals that could do uh, more or less donkey work for them let's explore the entire new guinea concept uh, first then moving on to you know that islands and australia and all of that and one of the few things which i uh, you know like where he was mentioning that how when the europeans came in or i think before that let's discuss that because of food production you know we were discussing the last one of the last chapters that food production or population explosion what came first right so i think here also you know when uh, with food production population explosion happened and that is why they were you know more in tune with other activities as well not just you know surviving or living a nomadic life they were settled down and they had a different cultures they had uh, as you mentioned right so different kinds of languages such different kinds of cultures in that small uh, area he mentioned that there are 6000 languages and 16 is here that's amazing and then he mentions that i think why europeans were not very successful in uh, conquering new guinea i know it comes later in the chapter but it's nice to discuss it at this point to cover up that uh, whole new guinea chapter piece uh, the biggest reason is diseases <laughs> the germs part of guns germs and steel but this one was backfired right initially why people could not conquer australia or oh, sorry uh, europe was because they had their own set of diseases smallpox and all of that and that is why you know people could not conquer them and because they were immune to it they ruled the world and they basically decimated populations and let's say the whole of america for that matter but when they came to new guinea new guinea was wait we have tougher viruses than you have and because europeans never had a permanent settlement so they could not spread their own viruses and the new guineans also evolved evolved some immunity because new guinea was closer to the mainland of asia right closer to indonesia and they had minor trade involvement there and they had been introduced to smallpox before uh, the europeans brought it with them also it's important to note that uh, New Guinea was is one of the wettest areas in the on the earth so naturally it's just very hard to navigate so australia while it's very hot yes while it's uh, dry while it's very harsh you can still navigate it if you know the way if you know someone who can because you know the dangers that exist there's nothing unexpected unexpected that might come out but if when you're in new guinea when you're in the uh, tropical forests of new guinea you have no idea what will come out and uh, kill you naturally it just makes it very harsh like uh, you know he mentions in one of the early chapters right where daredevil mentions his own incident when he was uh, experiment when he was staying with new guinea new guineans they mentioned right that yeah, they with the mushrooms pick, right the mushroom they could pick out mushrooms because they were so in tune with nature they knew which ones were poisonous which ones were non poisonous and daredevil in, instead of making uh, him sound like a smart ass was completely ridiculed okay that's a different story listen to that episode but yeah i guess uh, you know and it's common i think we have discussed this, uh, you know long back that you know me living in kolkata gives me a more added advantage than you coming in kolkata maybe you still would just know kolkata more than me given the amount of reading that you do but uh, yeah you would know more about kolhapur than me for that matter guys yes kushal lives in kolhapur stalk him okay apart from that <laughs> why is this a recurring bit <laughs> uh, i was just going to mention another point about uh, so we know that agriculture developed in a limited capacity in new guinea and uh, because of all these geographical and uh, climatic conditions they could not develop beyond a further point and it, it kind of diversified the new guinean population in a way that they could not could not come together to create a state or an empire that could later you know expand that was one of the reasons with uh, new guinea but with australia wait wait, wait before you jump to australia let us complete this entire portion so with new guinea i actually wanted to add one point after you mentioned that because this also people can ask right new guinea is uh, uh, surrounded with its australia there the islands there's indonesia and so why didn't it adopt technologies or adopt new features from them 
features or yeah whatever new every new instruments from them you know for their own evolution and i think he mentions in another paragraph which is really great that all the countries or basically the land which surrounded new guinea were all stupid basically in essence uh, indonesia was as backward as new guineans um, australia was just leave it we'll just talk about it guys you listen australia was horrible then he mentions that how new guineans even because of the diverse climate they were not a macro population as pushkar mentioned they were all divided into one portions and because new guineans then evolved not evolved but then migrated to the small small islands which basically linked to australia and as you went to the islands and because they were surrounded by water and there was no real means of traveling or crossing water on a very easy basis the kind of population the kind of evolution basically decreased as we you know traverse each island so the mainland of uh, or the basically the highland of new guinea is like the most well developed at least in the new guinean standard then we have the lowlands and then you you know come out to the islands and then as you move further south to the islands nearing australia we have certain islands which have no uh, organic sorry not yeah basically they have no fauna they have only few crops and they basically survive uh, by eating aquatic life so coming to the point pushkar as you were mentioning why was it that new guinea which is just a few hundred or so miles um, away from australia was significantly more developed than australia them itself okay first of all uh, we have to consider like i think everybody knows that australia is one of the driest places on earth um it's very hard to grow anything there uh there are very little indigenous plants as we read in one of the previous chapters but australia had almost no uh, indigenous domesticated domesticatable plants that uh, could be used to uh, kick start food production basically and uh, without food production you don't have uh, they also did not have domesticatable animals so you don't if you don't have uh, domesticatable plants and domesticatable animals you don't have food production if you don't have food production uh, you can't create a sedentary life if you can't create a sedentary life uh, you, and so like it goes so on and so on until you you're just stuck in that one uh, nomadic hunter gatherer type lifestyle right uh, i think that was one of the biggest strikes uh, against the aborigines uh, and their development as a civilization uh second of all what happened was uh, the eurocentric view of history likes to be that uh, even though like maybe say that it's true that all these reasons are correct and that's why the aborigines did not develop in australia why was it that when the europeans came they kind of kick started all the uh, development of civilization of australia and uh, now uh, if you look at australia how like it's one of the uh, biggest countries in the world it's, it has so much infrastructure and so much development and uh, often what happens is you kind of explain it away by saying that europeans um, europeans kind of knew how to tame australia's wilderness or whatever uh, romanticized idea that they have but actually what it is is that um, europeans when they came to australia they brought with them certain tools certain instruments that helped them uh, kind of uh, helped them start the process of uh, creating the civilization which which had been stagnated because of all the all the geographic and all the all the uh, other reasons for all these thousands of years so when we come to uh, these reasons the like one of the biggest reasons is that australian uh, europeans when they came they brought with them crops that could be grown in certain like coastal parts of australia you know that uh, because australia did not have its own domesticatable crops all the crops that came there were uh, european crops that they brought with them 
and that's why they were able to uh, start food production and once they started food production after that they were able to kind of start building a society so you know there's one thing which i actually want to include here is you mentioned that how they in the nomadic life and i found this entire uh, that entire thing very interesting when they uh, talked about el nino you know we uh, we had heard of this back when we were uh, studying geography or it was all in the news i think back Five or six years ago, or maybe it comes here and over, and we have basically missed it out. But it's an important concept for the entire Australian human evolution or culture, for that matter. So, because of, uh, I think we learnt in the Fertile Crescent area, right, that you need regular or you need annual cycle of weather or climate. Yeah, right? you need seasonal weather, and that is why the humans can adapt themselves. Okay, this crop grows in these times, so I can save it in the other times. and i can grow harvest and things like that so they can plan everything according to weather but when you are in a place where the weather is unpredictable you know for a couple of years there is drought and for the next 2 years the area is flooded you don't really know uh, how you're going to survive and that is why you know yeah. the australians had two kind of like collaborate right now <laughs> true true i think most of the world is going to become something on those lines but they had basically the aborigines had two uh, options they could settle down and you know become villages and all of that when the two years the uh, the rain was great and they could have start farming and when there was doubt they would all die out so basically entire generations living for two years and dying out and the other lifestyle was nomadic lifestyle so the area which received rain they went there they settled there they grew crops they ate and all of that and when the weather became bad they burned the entire place and that is what uh, led to the new crops you know kangaroos uh, st- i don't know staying there and all of that and then they moved into a new place which was you know had better weather conditions and that is where the entire nomadic lifestyle nomadism uh, developed and you know when you come to that entire point that why europeans had that upper edge it was because they already had everything they had that head start of 1 million they i think they um, colonized uh, australia starting from you know early 1500s they started uh, coming into australia then 1600 1700s they explored the inlands and then 1800s and 1900s or early 1900s you could say that they basically colonized the entire of australia and back then they, you know it was easy right they could just shoot out the aborigines and they could survive that was like the easiest way and the second one was that they had they knew now how to cultivate crops in different areas they had visited america so they knew how crops developed in those areas they knew how crops developed in tropical areas in temperate areas and in the similar regions of australia they started growing such kinds of crops and similarly they brought in animals which aided them uh, yeah i think and on the germs front right in new guinea new guinea had its own shield of germs like malaria and all of that but because australia were living in so small pockets and it was so sporadic and because of dryness and all of that and because the population density is so so low there there were no indigenous germs as such so when europeans came in it was the same thing which happened as in america the aborigines were just died out of nowhere yeah and it's not like um, australians were uh, kind of they did not at least try to uh, develop a civilization because uh, he mentions in the book that there are there is evidence of like 5000 year old arrowheads that were found in uh, at different sites in australia which suggests that they did try to have uh, you know technology they did try to have complex societies but because of all the reasons that you just mentioned the weather and everything did not permit them to stay as a sedentary people and did not permit them to create a long lasting society they kind of abandoned it the same way that you know the japanese had guns for a while and then they forgot because you know samurais are just cooler <laughs> true and you know this one uh, small section which he mentions i found this really cool it, the same thing happened and the sad story of tasmania it's 
south it's i think 130 miles south to australia it was again it was connected to the mainland and lo behold uh, the na- nature happens and basically the it becomes a strait there is water body now and 4000 hunter gatherers get stuck in that island and they survive for 10000 years without having any other contact with any other human being in the entire world i mean imagine that like him mentions it's literally a sci-fi novel waiting to be written it's literally wrath of khan <laughs> true true exactly it was first you know founded by europeans in 1640s and then there were sad parts right he mentioned that there were other smaller islands southern to tasmania where they also migrated and there were only 200 to 400 people with that less uh, amount of people they could not survive they just died out they could not survive for 10000 years but imagine 4000 people living in an island separated from the entire world surviving 10000 years for people who are thinking that this uh, lived for 10000 years please the generations survived for 10000 years you know they died out okay, no, nobody is thinking they lived this is not the eternal <laughs> prequel that you are looking for you need to have been off that land to kind of survive in it for so many thousands of years like uh, you know when the first australians settled there and evolved with the land that's why they were so good at uh, surviving there like it reminds me of the story of uh, so there's this uh, podcast called behind the bastards that uh, talks about all these um, basically you get the gist they talk about bastards and uh, one of the episodes was about this one uh, englishman uh i forget his name but he invented a a country in south america uh, and he what he basically told is that uh, he went back to england he the, was in south america for a while he went back to england and he said that i have discovered this uh, new country called whatever whatever and uh, the people of this country they just want like you know the english masters and to come and administer them and it's a very nice colony and you can have a new life here and what not and he sold tickets to the journey or uh, he basically took money from people told them to sell all their land give uh, give them his money so that they could go on a voyage to south america and go uh, live in the country which did not exist and uh, he sent like two ships full of people uh, there and the ship what it happened was the ship captain was told to send them to the south of Af- south american coast in one of the places in a in a basically uh, a, an un- uninhabited place uh, and basically drop them at the coast and leave and that's what the uh, ships did they dropped the people there they left and what happened was after these people had been abandoned at that place uh, the most um, the most uh, fascinating thing about the whole thing was there it was you know it was the south american jungle there there were uh, things there that you could uh, that you could harvest or that you could uh, get to you know basically preserve yourself until somebody came to help or you could go exploring into the jungle because there was like um, a, 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 an indigenous town maybe like 200 300, 300 kilometers away but because these people were just basically bureaucrats and administrators and lawyers and doctors uh, not doctors i guess huh, i guess maybe doctors i don't know but because these people were you know of the profession they weren't like farmers they weren't really laborers because these people had been stranded there they were like someone will come and help us we will not uh, do anything uh, a good chunk of them starved and died because they were simply not they simply had no idea how to survive and they were expecting basically there were people who were expecting the natives to do all the work for when you talk about uh, colonizing people and civilizing them what it usually means is that we'll go and we'll oppress the people and we'll make money off of them by making them uh, you know do the things that they are actually good at 
and take the money from them saying that we'll give you civilization but of more often than not these people don't actually do anything we come back to our point of like farmers who actually farm the stuff and the rest of the people who basically take their land you know kleptocracy more or less yeah, anyway uh, side tracked completely there but coming back to australia it gives us a good insight uh, into all of this and you know it happened with even native uh, australians right that once this european invasion happened and you know it's so baffling to lo- learn about australia as as an area because you know we don't have much recorded history from you know how asia was colonized or we'll learn about that you know in the future chapters similarly with americas and all of that because they were fairly old but with australia it happened in the 90 1900s right where he mentions that by 1973 the aboriginal population declined by 80% and like when europeans came in there were like 3 lakh aborigines and when they basically settled on by 1920s Uh, it dropped down to sixty percent, sixty thousand uh, Australians only, and it just makes me sad. And he goes on to explain that how most of these Australians, uh, you know, conquered the entire um, land and you know developed trade infrastructure and all of that. And today, these native Aborigines, they're still serving them. They're living in these government quarters um, and they're working as uh, slave laborers. They don't have uh, much rights, and it's sad to hear about. it in today's day and which no it's a horrible situation because there's a whole drug crisis that is happening with the aboriginal people because uh, that was an old uh, european tactic that if you want to colonize a people get them addicted to one uh, drugs you know so that's why the whole opium trade happened and all this all this stuff uh, but yeah uh, just to circle back to the point if any anybody is interested the person who invented that country his name was gregor macgregor imagine that and the country that he invented was called poye just look up the story it's amazing yeah it's really something but yeah anyway uh, coming back to the whole thing like essentially now when we uh, look back at the chapter of uh, yali's people and we look at australia we look at new guinea and um, why like the history their history their real history why they were uh, what their trajectory was you kind of realize that a lot of the pre like assumptions or uh, preconceived notions that we might have about civilization that we might have about development invention the you know uh, age of enlightenment and all that stuff there are a lot of uh, different things that have to come together that have to work um, in a certain way to kind of promote that kind of living that have to promote that kind of privilege and it is a privilege in a way like you have to you have to acknowledge the fact that uh, your ancestors were born in certain conditions that gave them A, a, a definite advantage over certain other people, and that kind of advantage should be more or less used to help the other people and not oppress them. You know, and that's I think the biggest les- lesson you can take from the whole Yali's people uh, from this chapter is that uh, it's a good look at what the real history of uh, civilizations was, at least the, the this civilization, which is so uh, misunderstood, I guess, in a way. like i would like to close off this entire episode by you know two lines of this book which i think really hit uh, hit hard with me it was mentioned towards the end where he mentioned that you know within one century of european colonization 40000 years of aboriginal traditions had been mostly swept away uh, that basically talks about oh, everything uh, that europeans did but i guess i don't know whom to blame whom not to blame but that was the course of nature right that is how geography played a role and that is how you know we developed and we had learned earlier before right that if we had kept australia as a cradle and europeans had not invaded them by 5000 ad they would have become as modern as uh, today 
so i don't know whether you know whatever europeans it was right or wrong no and but... it's <laughs> i guess it's not about blame so much i guess uh, it's like it's inevitable for civilizations to um, have you know to come across each other because humans are by nature explorers like like we love star trek so much because it is about exploration it is about uh, taking the like the whole idea of star trek you know uh, uss enterprise is named after the ship hms enterprise which was one of the first ships that was involved in the european expansion so it is impossible to kind of um, uh, oppress the spirit of exploration that humans have it's just that when you do explore when you co- do come into contact with other people it's about how you treat them in a way it's about uh, you know how you kind of form relations with them it's about what what you learn from them and what you uh, teach about them to the people ba- back home like are you like motivated by fear paranoia by this uh, you know sense of xenophobia or are you like you know in the more star trekian you know optic opt- uh, optimistic sense are you like trying to you know come in peace and make establish relations and uh, kind of uh, enjoy the diversity enjoy the differences that you have and the similarities that you share imagine if we had the prime directive for earth itself right that europeans uh, had developed enough to have prime directive and when they encountered australia they were like okay we'll observe them but from far we'll not in, you know interfere with their culture we have that some kind of that you know with the modern day activities activists you know telling us not to interfere with the tribal areas but that's a it happens it does not happen but we have long way to go but okay we'll just close off this episode with this last line which i enjoyed very much he mentions that the people who did create a society in australia were aboriginal australians and it was not that austro austrians but the yeah, aboriginal australians of course the society uh, that they created was not a literate food producing industri- industrial democracy but it was their society yeah, yeah with that i guess uh, it brings an end to this chapter it was really amazing learning about an entire culture and it makes all sense right you know whatever we learned it came in use somewhere or the other and uh, we got to know how uh, yalis people developed because we have i think the next chapter we will discuss about chai a chinese it's a short chapter pushkar we might just do it in a couple of days this is like the fun part for me i'm really enjoying like today's episode i really enjoyed recording and this is really like the stuff that i uh, live for so yeah i'm going to have fun with the next few chapters and thank you guys for listening to us constantly um today is what i think uh, 5th of august we are recording this and uh, yesterday we just crossed 20, i think 2000 uh, listens to the happy birthday episode i don't know how why people are listening to that episode itself please uh, show us love and support we have released i think three or four episodes uh, until now uh, until 5th of august uh, and you know all episodes are tracking over 100 listens and you know people are loving it so i'm really glad with all the support that you're showing if you have any recommendations do let me know with that thank you everyone for listening to us and we'll catch you in the next episode and learn a bit about china bye guys yeah lots of controversy hi <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode follow us on social media and do let us know if you want to be part of the next episode till then live long and prosper